will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will say, The Lord is indeed great, and we all can admit that He is wonderful, both in the experience of our own life, but as we look out into the creation, the creation that He has made is screaming His praise and His glory, and how wonderful it is to be able to willingly bend the knee and praise God now, now, when His mercy can be found. There will be a time, though, when God will make all of creation bend the knee, It'll be a day of judgment, though. But now, for God's people, we rejoice and we know and a song wells up in our heart the goodness and the greatness of our God. Church, Summit, it's good to see you. I hope you are encouraged uh, by the music. I hope you're encouraged by the reality of how great your God is, even in the midst of everything that's going on. We can always rejoice. Never forget that. We might be in Romans 12, but let me remind you of the whole book of Philippians. What did God bring us through to constantly remind us? Rejoice. Again, I'll say rejoice. Always, always. And he wrote that from prison. So, God, we're going to rejoice, and we're going to get into your word and rejoice at the word that you're going to bring to our hearts and minds. We've been in Romans 12, and we've been in this series called Real Church. Let me bring you up to speed a little bit of what we've been taught, why that is. Why? Because the church is a real thing and there's a there's a a organic nature to the church. There is characteristics to the church that are biblical and true of this living organism on planet earth. It's spiritual. It's it's beyond uh, what the world sees. It's beyond just the the seen things. It goes deeper into the heart of, of man. And so what we've seen so far as we've looked through the first three verses, we, we see authentic worship and then we see God transforming us by the renewal of our mind. And like we learned last week, I want to bring it up on the screen, like we learned last week as we get in today, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For by grace, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Stop. That's where we're finding ourselves today. Now, let me say something before we get into today's lesson, which is going to be about the body, right? The picture of the body. As we're taking Romans 12 and we are trying to dissect it as best we can, we're going verse by sometimes just one verse, sometimes two verses. We'll have two verses today. But when we do that, we, we have to make sure to get the context of the passage when we isolate a verse. So let me remind you again of verse 3. We saw last week beautifully from Pastor Charles of how we should be thinking, where we should be elevating ourselves and our mind or de-elevating ourselves. This verse here tells us and reminds us of the grace that God has given, to think in light of the grace that God has given, to, to be willing to see ourselves in the service of God, to see ourselves in the light of who God is and who we are. Right, But then at the end, here's where I want us to focus, because really th- this verse gives us uh, the roadmap or it puts us on the road to why we're going to be in verse 4 and 5 today. So let me, let me go over it real quick. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but think with sober judgment. Each person, each person to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Let me say a little something about sober judgment. It's going to help us today. 
When you think about sober judgment, Paul makes it very clear. Don't think of yourself too highly, right? Arrogant. But there's also something to sober judgment that we might miss. Sober judgment is the idea of like, don't be drunk. Don't think clearly. Think objectively. Think think the right thing. What is absolutely true about yourself is what you need to be thinking. Verse 3 reminds us not to be thinking too highly of ourselves. But, you know, there's another segment of thought that we tend to get into, and that's a that's, that's, that's a thought process that might be more self-deprecating. Think about it like this. Someone may say, hey, I'm God's gift to the church. Someone may say, I have nothing to offer to the church. Neither of these thought processes is, is sober judgment. Sober judgment is thinking rightly about ourselves. It's, it's the right, it's, it, it's the truth. What is actually true about yourself if you think about uh, in terms of someone trying to analyze their gifts and their talents, th- there's going to be an assessment process where you actually have to admit yourself like, wow, I seem to be actually gifted in this area. That's not arrogance. That's sober judgment. That's thinking rightly about yourself, but then also thinking, hey, you know, there's an area of my life that I'm a little weak in. That's accurate, sober judgment, right? So this is what we're all going for. If last week Charles gave us the challenge and is telling us this is what we should be striving for. Then here's kind of the question today. Question is, hey, you want to think with sober judgment, right? Let, let, let's, like, let's all get on the same page. So we all want to have sober judgment. We don't want to be thinking too, too high or too low. We, we want to be accurately thinking the way God thinks about us. We want to think that about ourselves. Can we all agree that's something that we'd say, hey, yeah, I want to, I want to th- think with sober judgment about myself. And about my brothers and sisters. Okay, last week is dependent, though, on you understanding this week. Thinking soberly, thinking rightly about yourself is dependent on you understanding two things. We must understand what the church is and our place in it. We must understand what the church truly is, what it is, and then what our place is within the church. When we understand that and we live according to that, I guarantee you, you'll begin to think rightly about yourself. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go into the two, two verses. I'm going to kind of read through them, and then we're going to go back and kind of bring out some main points. So let's dive right in. Romans 12, verse 4 says this, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Now, we've got to connect verse 3 to this. Verse 3 just said, Think with the measure of which God has given you. And then it says, for as in one body. He's trying to, Paul is, okay, I'm going to give you a reason why verse 3 was true. Why you should do verse 3, right? So if you understand verse 4, you'll do verse 3 better. Understand verse 4 and 5 together. Verse 3, you'll be accomplishing greater. So he takes us immediately, he takes us immediately to this picture of the physical body. That's what verse 4 is talking about. Simply the physical body. I know if we're Christian mind, the believer mind, we're immediately thinking about the church. But he's simply talking about physical body here. So you have something that you are inside of. You're walking around every day in that you have, you can see in the mirror that God uses as like the greatest picture, greatest metaphor for the greatest organism on earth. So, but he wants us to understand something about the body. And what, are, what is it he's saying here? So he says, as in one body. Here's a body right here, right? 
It's one person, one identity. It's one. It's not multiple. It's one. But within this one body, we have many members. We have head, we have arms, we have feet, fingers, we have toes, ears, eyes, nose. We have all types of things even internally within our body that all are many different members. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. When you read this part, and the members do not all have the same function, you should be thinking back to, if I had verse 3 up here, you should be thinking back to verse 3 when it says, according to the grace that we have each been given. Each according to the grace that God, or the faith that God has given to us. So he's going to be talking about the body here. The body is very important for us to understand what's going on, to understand what the church is, and to understand our place within the church. Now look at verse 5. So he says, four, think about a physical body. One, many members, not all the same functions. So we, now let's bring it home. So we, the church, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So let's talk about what the church is. First and foremost, the church is one. The church is one. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. I, Jasper, I'm not multiple personalities. I'd be a schizophrenic, and I'd be on medication the rest of my life, and most of you would avoid me. I am one person. I am Jasper, though I have many parts. But the characteristic of Christ's church, of God's church, is that it is one. Together we all make this one awesome organism, the body of Christ. It is the church. You have two different types of church. We've talked about this. If you have the local church, you have like Summit Church, but you have all the other churches down the street. Every single believer is a part of this great universal church. We all make it up. But then there's something important about the local church. The local church is the place for you to actually live that out and experience that and to live that out. And so we are one, brother and sister. Some at church, as you're listening or any other brother in Christ, hey, we're, we're one. Together we make something, right? So understanding the body, the body of Christ is one. Now here's where I want you to take your thinking now. Here's what the church is, but where is my place within this? Or in other words, if the body's one, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for you? Look at this. It means this. Your presence matters. Your presence matters. Now, I can already hear some of you probably rolling your eyes. I can, I can see some of you sitting down, you're listening, and you may shake your head and agree, but deep down, you actually believe you have no part to play in this. This is absolutely not true. Now, let's take time to think about the body for a second, the physical body, right? Because this is going to help you think rightly about what the church is, and then in turn help you understand what your place is in it. Because if we all together make this one awesome picture, the body of Christ, which we would say is important, then it does mean that your presence matters. Take your pinky, for example, or your pinky toe, or something very small, very small. Remove it from the body. One, the removal process is going to hurt. And then two, some type of function within the body is going to be stifled. I've heard, I could be wrong, 
But I've heard that the pinky toe is really, really good at helping you balance. So I imagine if you're used to having it, to be able to walk straight, stand straight, uh, do be straight in your life as you're walking and going down the road, then you'd remove that toe. All of a sudden, the function is missing. All of a sudden, the whole body is experiencing and suffering as a result of that little thing being taken away. Or how about just stubbing your toe and hurting it, right? Any one of us like break our toe in half and just keep walking and keep eating our chips, no problem, and lay down in bed with our toe sticking at a 90 degree angle the way it shouldn't go? Or do we all fall to the ground weeping and screaming and welling in severe pain because this one little thing that is so crucial to our body, crucial to the whole, has been hurt. Right? So what's, what is it about the church we must understand if we want to start thinking soberly about ourselves? We must understand that the church is one. The body is one. And in turn, what this means for you is that your presence matters. And you may be actually not having sober judgment about yourself if you are diminishing your presence. You with me? Now, look at this next part. So we, the first part says, so we, though many, if you look back at verse four, it says the members do not all have the same function, many members. And if you go back, so we, though many, what are we finding here in this verse? What are we finding within the body? What are we finding when you look at all the different members and different functions? You're finding diversity. What you just said that we were one, now you're saying we're different. You just said that we make up this one same thing, but when you look at me individually, you're saying now I am different? Absolutely. This is the way God has it. This is the way he wants it. This is the way he has purposefully made it. The body is diverse. It's filled with many different members. They all have different functions. All have different functions. And this diversity works towards the greater purpose of what it's intended to. And then God gives us our body to help us understand the church properly. Helps us understand the church properly. Hey, look, we're many. Let's take Summit Church, for example. Let's say five, five, six hundred, however many people. It would encapsulate five, six hundred different people. We're not all the same. Right? You think about, think about like a, a military uh, regiment where it's all about making everyone look the same, sound the same, do the same thing, repetition, right? This is not the church. The church is a body, right? You look into the body and you're going to see many different members that have different functions. An eye is different than a mouth and a nose is different than a finger and an arm is different than a leg, right? It's all different and they all look different. They all they all do different things. They all are of different sizes, right? Physically, sometimes we're just different sizes, right? Some of us bigger, smaller, right? It, it, in our hearts, though, our personality, who God has made us, we're different. Our gift sets are different and diverse. And guess what? That is not only good and great and beautiful, but it is exactly the way God wants it to be. So what does that mean for you and me then, right? So if we understand the church to be one, if we understand the church to be diverse, what does that mean for you and me? Look at this. It means you, here we go, don't miss this. It means you were not meant to be like everyone else. And in turn, nor they meant to be like you. Now, why do I emphasize that? 
right? Because within the church, here's the balance, I think, what we get off. The sober judgment we miss and the extremes we go to. Either envy or arrogance. You see it? Either we're envying the gift sets and the abilities of everyone else in the church, and we're spending our whole life staring at what other people are doing in the church, wishing we could do what they do, wishing we were just like them, and we self-deprecate, and what do we do? We go back and we deny, we say, my presence doesn't matter, I don't need to be here, who cares, I'm not important, I don't have any gift sets. Or, or, you're very confident about your gift sets, so much so that it's hard for you to look out and actually see diversity and have unity with brothers and sisters because you're all thinking that everyone needs to think and do like you. Actually hard to accept the diversity because you actually want uniformity, but what you want them to form to is yourself, arrogance. Diversity is what the body is made up of. And when we understand this, we understand our place, guess what? Sober judgment starts to come into mind. We start to realize who we are and what it is we're actually a part of. The body's one. That means you are a part of something greater and you make up something greater than just yourself. Two, the body is diverse, which means who you are in your differences is awesome. And God has made you that way purposefully for the benefit of the body. Now, I'm gonna read some stuff here a little bit later, but I want us to continue in our verses here. Finally, this. The body is dependent. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Remember, verse 5 is taking verse 5 and correlating it. But what did verse 4 say? It was showing you a picture of your physical body, many members, but all attached with different functions. What is this saying? Individually members of one another. When you think members, don't, oops, when you think members, don't think church membership. You need to be thinking body members, like a body member. Individually members of one another means that you are dependent on one another. Think about the body. I'm not a nurse, I'm not a doctor, but I don't need to be to know that if I don't have a brain, then nothing else is going to work in my body. Hey, I might have a brain, but if I don't have a heart, that's connected with the brain, then the blood flow is not going to pump to my brain to give it oxygen so the brain can work. If, if I don't have eyes, my whole body is now handicapped from being able to see. If I don't have a mouth, vocal cords are missing, then I cannot talk. If I don't have a stomach, then I don't have a processing place for food to send the vital nutrients that the body needs. You remove that, I'm sorry, you can't live without it. Same thing. The whole body, physical body, is reliant on every other part. And we're all, our whole physical body is connected in a way where it all works together. Connected. So we extend the, the lesser to the greater. Extend your knowledge of your, phys, of your physical body out to the church. The church is the same way. Each one of us, whether we like it or not, are dependent on one another dependent on one another. We desperately need one another. This is the church. You want to understand the church? You want to think soberly about your life, where you are, not think of yourself too highly, but think rightly. Honor God, glorify God. It's vital that we understand what the church is. The church is one, the church is diverse, and the church is dependent. Now, if it's dependent, what does that mean for you? It means this. 
means you have a gift right here, symbolized by this addition, but it also means this, means you have a weakness. Means you have a weakness. And you cannot, you cannot fulfill that whole without the other person in the body who has that strength that you're missing that connects to you and fulfills that for you, right? So when I'm not trying to outdo the body illustration, I'm using puzzle pieces to help us understand our need for gifts and weaknesses. What do you mean needs? I can understand needs for gift. What do you mean needs for weaknesses? Well, if you read 1 Corinthians, you will find out that God has purposefully set it up to where you have weaknesses, purposefully have a weakness so that you'll be reliant on your brothers and sisters who have that strength. God wants his body dependent, ultimately on the head, but dependent on one another to be able to work together. So we, we, we get our help and stuff from one another. So what this ultimately means for you is that you get this, cannot do this alone. You can't do this. What, what do I mean by this? You cannot do life alone, and you cannot do church alone. Let me say it again. You cannot do life by yourself, and you cannot do church by yourself because it ceases to be church if it's all about you, right? Imagine, imagine me taking uh, a finger to the doctor, taking just a finger to the doctor, and I say, hey, this, this, this is my son. Can you please help my son? The doctor would be like, no, this isn't your son. This is a finger. No, 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 no. This is a this is, this is my son. This is, this is my son here. Now, where is the rest of your son? We make up the body together. Though we're different, our diversity flourishes, and God uses that diversity then to help us edify and grow one another, which is why then we have to be dependent on one another. Summit, this is the real church. It is a living organism. It is a living organism that we get to be a part of, that we are a part of. And if you have the Holy Spirit within you, you, along with everyone else, make up the body. You, by yourself, individually, have some type of beautiful purpose in your life. And you are who you are, beautifully fashioned by the Creator. You are special and beautiful, and you have gift sets, and you have a thought process, and you have abilities within you that God has put within you to bring to the body. That's why it's diverse, and that's why we're not all the same. That's why the church isn't just a bunch of pastors. That wouldn't be good. That's why the church isn't just a bunch of deacons. That wouldn't be good. That's why the church isn't just a bunch of servicers or administrators. There's, it's the collection of all of those. You get it. Now I want to read I want to read. I don't have it on the screen, but I want you to just listen. I want to read through some verses in 1 Corinthians 12 where Paul expounds upon this. I want you to just hear the words of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, Paul says this. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. He's doing the same thing. He's making that correlation. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, get this, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the Spirit. That's beautiful because that means I don't care where you're from in the world. I don't care what skin color you have. I don't care what nationality you have. I don't care who you are or how much you discredit yourself. God says you can be a part of this. Equally made one in the Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. 
that would not make any, uh, in any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many body parts, yet one body. Now listen to this. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care one for another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You see this beautiful picture God's given us? It's the same thing he's, he's, he's saying in shorter verses in Romans chapter 12. Man, we're a part of this wonderful living organism that God has made and he's chosen how it's going to look. The body is one. It is diverse it is diverse and it is dependent on one another. Now, here's what I want to do. I've told you what the body is and I've told you what your place is, what it means for you within the body. I want to bring it home a little bit more personal and a little bit further home. Here's a question I want us to ask because I think it's a super relevant for what we're experiencing now, having to be quarantined, not being able to gather in a large group. Let me answer some questions here. How would the enemy use COVID-19 to hurt the body? Because if we are the mass that God has left on earth to do his work, then the church is going to be under attack. So how would the enemy use what we're experiencing now to potentially hurt the body and the things that we just learned about it, the characteristics we just learned? Well, let's start with this. Well, if the body is one, the enemy is going to want us to be divided, right? The enemy's going to want us to sacrifice unity. What we need to look out for now with what's going on, which is not just true with COVID-19, these things are always true, but maybe a different battle tactic. COVID-19, is it causing us to divide? Is it causing cliques and divisions within the church? Is it causing murmurings? Is it causing members to start to look at other members and say, I don't need you, I don't want you, I am mad at you, I have no need for you? I don't know, but I'm curious and I'm exhorting us and challenging us to at least think this way and protect what the body actually is and what God has chosen for it to be, which is one. The enemy would love for it to be divided. How about this? The body is diverse, so what would the enemy like to do in the midst of the beautiful diversity? And here's, as I thought about this, I think the enemy would like the diversity, which means the diversity of gift sets and abilities and talents to grow stagnant during COVID-19, during the quarantine, during all of this. He would like to attack diversity by causing us to lose patience or causing us to become apathetic 
and stagnant and not use our gifts. So diversity is taken away when you hinder the use of gifts. Now the diversity can't flourish because the gifts aren't being used. Now here's what I'm saying. Just because we're still mostly at home doesn't mean that that makes it stagnant. The stagnation does not happen just because the proximity is divided. Diversity and gifts can still be used, especially in our day when we have the ability to communicate with each other anytime, anywhere, no matter where we are. I actually think it is harder for the enemy to do what he's been trying to do. Actually, the progression of technology has made it harder for the enemy to attack the church in these types of levels. Then look at this one. If the church is dependent on one another, what is the enemy going to probably try to do? He's always going to try to isolate us. Proverbs 18.1 says, The person who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks away from all sound judgment. He would love for you to say, I have no need of you. I'm going to do my own thing. And I'm going to do life and Christianity and church by myself. That's the way the enemy operates. It's the thinking of the enemy. I don't, I don't need others I don't need to use my gift because I don't have a gift or I refuse to use my gift and I don't like these people or what's going on. I'm done with them. This is what he wants. In COVID-19, I can see it constantly brewing. I can constantly see the coronavirus, everything going on in the world right now. I can, call, I can see it shaking the church up a bit, right? Bringing up true emotions, causing us to have to exercise true self-control, see if the Spirit's truly in us that we'll seek the unity and the bond of peace over preferences and opinions. So, where are you at? How are you doing today? The church is here for you, right? The church is here for you. We are not stopped from being this. Now, let me say something about the dependence and the isolation. Some of you may be thinking, yep, yep, see, he's got us isolated. We're not having church right now. See, so the enemy is winning. That is not isolation, That is not what I believe isolation is. This is a matter of the heart because I know plenty of churches that meet Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday night. They meet constantly and they are isolated from one another and being dependent on one another because their hearts are closed off. Just like meeting together doesn't ensure this doesn't happen, not meeting doesn't mean that it is happening. You can still be dependent on one another and be the body if we don't have, for now, temporarily, our large group gathering That should not stop us from being one, diverse, and dependent on one another. It's time to start being creative. It's time to rejoice no matter what. It is time to be the church for one another during a very hard time. And it is time to fall in love with Jesus every single day and to be thankful and to rejoice and to look out his people and delight in them and want to be with them and serve them and lay down your life for them because that's what he did for us. This is the body. This is real church. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that you've made us a part of this wonderful thing, this living thing. I pray that you would help us to be the church, to be your body, the hands and the feet of Jesus, to to look to the head, to look to Jesus as the one we get all of our commands, that we get everything we do comes from what he wants and for who he is, and we're conformed to the image of of your son. God, help us to be that to your glory and to the edification of one another. God, thank you for all that you do and all that you're going to do. We pray it all in the great and mighty name of Jesus. Amen.
Guys, do you hear the words of the song? Show me who you are and fill me with your love and lead me in your love to those around me. You hear the heart of the believer who understands who God is? That's the heart of someone who wants to be a part of the church. It's not about me. It's about being a part of something bigger than me and helping brothers and sisters and getting this gospel out into the world. But that gospel gets out into the world together, together, together. So church, stay encouraged. Do not lose heart. Be encouraged even during this time more so than ever. God's given us hardship, hardship, which is a greater opportunity to shed light and be loved for one another. So we are not going to faint. We are not going to complain. We are going to continue to love each other with a fervent love that can never be taken away by the enemy. And I hope in your heart you're encouraged today and you go out seeking the love of the Father for the sake of everyone around you. Remember this, you are loved always. Always.